want us to turn our Bibles to Revelation chapter 2. Revelation chapter 2, we'll read the first seven verses. Revelation 2, read the first seven verses. I'm reading from the NIV translation. It says, To the angel of the church at, of, in Ephesus, right? These are the words of him who holds the seven stars in, the, in his right hand and walks among the seven golden lampstands. I know your deeds, your hard work, and your perseverance. I know that you cannot tolerate wicked men, that you have tested, that you have tested, that you have tested those who claim to be apostles, but are not, and have, the, and have found them false. You have persevered and have endured hardship for my name, and have not grown weary. Yet I hold this against you. You have forsaken your first love. Remember the height from which you have fallen. Repent and do the things you did at first. If you do not repent, I will come to you and remove your lampstand from its place. But, if, but you have this in your favor. You hate, the, you hate the practices of the Nickelodeons, which I also hate. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. To him who overcomes, I will, I'll, I'll have the right to eat, to eat from the tree of life, which is in par the paradise of God. Let's pray. Eternal Father, again we ask that you might speak to us in a very special way. Use your servant, hide him behind the cross, and may Christ be exalted and be glorified. May you get receive all the glory and all the praise because you're worthy. For his name's sake. Amen. Title for the subject this morning is When the Thrill is Gone. When the thrill is gone, the author of the book of Revelations penned seven letters to the seven churches of Asia Minor. Smyrna, Philadelphia, Laodicea, Ephesus, Pergamum, Thyatira, and Sardis. These seven churches had some, had some of the basic characteristics of our churches today. Five of the seven churches rebuked, five churches were rebuked for condoning and embracing it. Believers, believers are tolerating any kind of message from the pulpit today once it tickles the ear and excites the emotions. Just like God rebuked the church at Ephesus, God is rebuking us He's compelling us to make his word the final authority for our belief system. God's word is hastening us to accept no other gospel, set our religion and our philosophy, unless it preaches Christ and him crucified. These five churches' commitment, com commitment to, 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 to Christ range from waning love at Ephesus to a more severe total apostasy at Laodicea. 
Our goal this morning is to talk about the waning love that was seen at the church at Ephesus. Ephesus was one of the major cities in Asia Minor. The Roman governor resided there. It was a city where major trades took place. And in light of this, it was a commercial center of Asia Minor. Ephesus had one of, the, one of the major temples which was dedicated to the Roman goddess Diana. This temple served as a major, as a major landmark to, for, for, for many people in Asia Minor. The city flourished economically from the sale of items used in the temple for the worship of the goddess. Although the worship of the goddess Diana brought great pride and great profit, it did not it did not meet the spiritual needs of the population. Acts chapter 19 tells us that many were involved in sorcery rich and witchcraft and demon worship, which was paramount in their pagan faith. Paul began preaching the gospel, declaring that the man-made gods were no gods at all. People began getting saved, and those who participated in magic began to, to burn their books, and, and, and idol worshippers began throwing away their idols. Due to this retreat, due to this retreat from sorcery and idol, and idol worship, sales and profits were down and people began losing money and they wanted Paul to be banned from the city. The church at Ephesus began to flourish but later still needed a warning as we see in Revelation chapter 2. Like the church at Ephesus, we're excited we, 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 there was excitement and joy when we first came to know Christ as our personal Lord and Savior. When we accepted Christ, the simple joy of knowing Christ, Christ Jesus was exhilarating. When we accept Christ as our personal Lord and Savior, we began to lay aside our sinful habits. We stopped lying, cheating, stealing, gossiping. We were excited about, we were excited and wanted to do everything. And wives, how can the young people be more spiritual students, students and children. We recognize who God is and we took him at his word. God told us through the scripture that he is Jehovah Jireh, our great provider, and we accepted it. God told us that he is Jehovah Rapha, our great healer, and we believed him. We accepted that he is El, that he is El Shaddai, God Almighty. We be believe that he is El, Elion, the Most High God. We declare that he is El Holam, the everlasting God. We preach that he is Jehovah Nissi, the Lord is my banner. We concluded and we accepted that he is Jehovah Shama, Shalom, the Lord, <coughs> the Lord is peace. We emphasize <coughs> that he is Jehovah Raha, the Lord is my shepherd. We concluded that he is Jehovah Sitkinu, the Lord is my righteousness. We made it absolutely clear that he is Jehovah Shama, the Lord is there. But somehow, somehow, the thrill is gone. We have given up hope in his promises. We don't take him at his word. The excitement of who God is is gone. We have lost our first love. We have lost the thrill of knowing Christ Jesus as a personal Lord and Savior. The excitement, the fervor is no longer there. We see this in the church at Ephesus. They lost their excitement of knowing Christ Jesus. But before the church at Ephesus left their first love, our scripture passage talks about their love and commitment for the things of God. 
They had a strong love and commitment when they, even though they were living in a pagan world. As we examine the text this morning, there are three points of emphasis that stand out. One, the Lord's commendation to the church, the Lord's concern for the church, and the Lord's command to the church. The Lord's commendation to the church can be seen in verses 1 and to 3. Before they admonished, or before the Lord admonished the believers at Ephesus, he commended them for their hard work and perseverance. The deeds of the Ephesians were acknowledged. The word hard work signifies more than mere labor, but has the idea of labor unto weariness, or, 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 or the work to a point of exhaustion. The Ephesians, the Ephesians went all out for the work of the ministry. They were not spectators, they were ministers. They, they were not entertainers. They were servers. They were not chiefs. <coughs> they were Indians. They were willing to plow, plant, <coughs> and harvest the crops. They didn't wait until there was a special meeting in order to, to win the loss for Christ. They were willing to evangelize the loss, edify the saints, and care for those who were, who were in need. They realized children's ministry are some other form of ministry. Are we, can we be considered as working to the point of exhaustion? Not only were they commended for their hard work, but they were also commended for their perseverance. I am sure many of us persevered through some difficult times and trying times. Many of us have, have to exercise patience in some trying circumstances. There have been times when people have tested our patience. And if it had not been for the Lord on our side, would have given them a piece of our mind. At times, you are, at times you are in some spiritual battles and somehow your desire is to give up. But you persevere. You persevere. Although you have been tried and tested, we must remain faithful. Although the situation might not go your way, we need to persevere. Although you might be downtrodden, you have to exercise patience. The circumstances might be different than you expect it to be, to be, but you need to remain faithful because you're doing the work of the ministry. The Lord also commended them for their refusal to tolerate evil men and to test those who claim to be apostles. Ephesians were held to a high standard of living. They hated sin. They called sin, sin. It, is, it did not matter who was involved. They held themselves to a high standard of living and they were sensitive to sin. They did not attempt to mischaracterize sin, saying it was just a mistake or an error. They did not call homosexuality an alternative lifestyle. They did not call shacking up as a common law marriage. They did not call social drinking, or they could not call drunkenness or social drink as, so, as social drinking. They did not call <coughs> drug addiction and alcoholism as a sickness. They did not call abortion a woman's right to choose. They did not sit in their posh houses 
and, ac and accommodate sin. They call sin, sin. They, 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 sin is a refusal to follow the mandate of God. Sin is a willful, conscious de decision to miss the mark of God and, follow, and not follow his precept, precepts. Sin is a refuse, refusal to obey a holy God. Sin is a rebellion against a holy God. The question is, do we see sin as God <coughs> sees sin? They were also careful about the preachers they listened to. They were also careful about the preachers. And their teaching should not be welcome in your home. At times, we welcome false, <coughs> false teachers and false teaching in our home via the cable and the satellite dish. And we, and we listen to them and accept their teaching. Anyone, Cornerstone, listen. Anyone who does not preach that Jesus was born of a virgin. Anyone who declares that Jesus is not the son of God. is an antichrist and he should not be welcome in your home. Anyone either for fashion or form declares the Bible is not infallible, inspired, inerrant word of God should be shunned. The, the, the only gospel, the only gospel that we had here too a cornerstone is that Christ died for sins according to the scripture that he was buried on the third day that he, and he was that he was buried and he was risen on the third day that's all we preach and nothing else we do not believe we do not believe that we have to be baptized in order to be saved we do not believe that that we that we have to perform some meritorious work in order to re receive salvation we do not believe that someone need to speak in tongues in in order to inherit eternal life no one will enter the kingdom of god <coughs> Through the sacraments they perform. Others believe that God is a loving God. And so he will not send anybody to hell. Listen, listen. The only way one can enter the presence of God. Is by faith alone. Through grace alone. In Christ alone and nothing else. And nothing else. Anyone. Anyone preaches a different gospel. Must be rejected and condemned. Must be rejected and condemned. Lord's concern for the church, verse, verse 4. The Lord's concern for the church. Many, after many years of committed relationship with the Savior, Ephesian believers became ritualistic, mechanical, and religious in matters relating to their faith in Christ. They adhered to doctrines of the Scripture. They possibly went out and evangelize and evangelize but it was not done out of love for Christ there was no more devotion to Christ their love for each other and their love for winning the lost had sunk to a place where they're carrying out their Christian responsibilities with diminish, diminishing love for the Lord and others the thrill of knowing Christ Jesus was gone some of us today are in a similar situation. There is no sense of intimate relationship with the Savior. Yes, we're saved, we're sealed, heading for heaven. But that sense of intimate devotion, we look good on the outside, 
but, but there's no fervency for Christ on the inside. Let me just mention three reasons why I believe, and could be, there, there could be many others, why I believe the thrill is gone. One, possible we forget, we get, or we get comfortable in our spiritual life. We don't, we don't spend any time, much time in prayer, in, in, in Bible study, in reflecting on the man. Instead of reflecting on God, we reflect on other things. Secondly, people are not responding to the gospel as we would like. You see, we have, the seats are empty, and you see, and, and uh, <clears throat> seats are empty here, and, and people are not coming to, 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 to Christ, and we have sent out many flyers or, or canvassed the community, and we do everything that we're supposed to do, but somehow people are not coming to Christ. Let me share this with you, and if you miss anything else, please do not miss this. We are not commanded to win souls. And listen, we're not commanded to win souls. We are commanded to preach the gospel. And, and God, the Holy Spirit, will, deem, will, will draw those he deems fit for the kingdom of God. That's our command. We're commanded to preach the gospel. Christ will draw those he deems fit for the kingdom. And thirdly, another reason why a person or the thrill might, might, might be gone out of your life. We forget what Christ has already done in our lives. We forget the hills and mountains that Christ has already brought us over. We forget the financial difficulties <clears throat> that he has delivered us from. We forget the physical and spiritual healing he has already done in our lives. We're so concerned about what we're going through that we don't see the great and mighty work that he has already done. We forget that God brought the people of Israel through the Red Sea even though the Egyptians were behind them. We forget how Joseph became the governor of a state even though he was sold into slavery by his brothers. We forget that God delivered the three Hebrew boys from the fire furnace. We forget that God shot them out of the lion when Daniel was thrown into the den of lions. We forget that Jesus Christ healed the sick, raised the dead, and, gives, and, 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 and made the lame walk. How can we forget the work he's performing in our lives presently. We were dying on our way to a Christless eternity, but Christ saved us. We are, we, are, we are what we are today, not because of the good deeds we have, that we have done, but because of what Christ has wrought in our hearts. We need to fall in love with the Master. We need to get back into an intimate devotion with the Master. And finally, the Lord's command. No one could get between you. You were arm and in arm and your eyes were filled with joy. At particular times of the year, birthday, Valentine, anniversary and any other special occasions, you buy gifts and flowers. After many years of being together, you become complacent. The excitement and thrill of being with your partner begins to wane and the desire and exuberance is no longer there. This is exactly what happened to the believers at the church at Ephesus. They had a great love for Christ. They spent countless hours in prayer and Bible study. Paul wrote of their love in Ephesians 1. But somehow, 
they lost track of who Jesus is. Their love for him began to wave and they were doing the work of the ministry as a ritual. The Lord gave the Ephesians three commands to get back to their first love. The first command was to remember. In verse 5, the Lord commanded them to remember the height from which you have fallen. Christians, we need to remember the height from which we have fallen. Remember when we were sold out for Christ. Remember when we were willing and ready to answer the Lord's call. Believers, the Lord is saying, we need to fall in love with him again. When the thrill and excitement is gone, we need to remember the Savior. Remember, <clears throat> remember that in Matthew is seen as a promised king who saved his people from, from their sins. In Mark is seen as the obedient servant. He was obedient to death, even the death of the cross. In Luke, he's seen as the perfect man. He offers forgiveness to those who will accept him. In John, he's seen as the son of God. Jesus is God and there's no God but him. In Acts, he's seen as the one who instituted the church, the call out once through evangelism. In Romans, in Romans, He's seen as the one who made the way for salva for, for salvation for sinners. God demonstrated his love towards us in that while we're still wretched and undone, Christ died for us. In First and Second Corinthians, he's seen as the one who does the sanctifying work in the life of the believer. In Galatians, he's seen as the one who sets us free from the bondage of sin and legalism. In Ephesians, he's seen as the head of the body the church and creator, the creator and sustainer of all creation. In Philippians is seen as the one we get our ultimate joy. Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. In Colossians is seen as the, expect, as the express reflection of the invisible God. He is eternal, preexistent, omnipotent and equal with the Father. In first, he doers of the word and not hearers. Only in First and Second Peter, he's seen as the giver of eternal hope in the midst of severe trial. In First and Second and Third John, he's seen as the lover of my soul. In Jude, he's seen as the one who adorns us to beware, to, to, to beware of false teachers and false leaders so that we might not fall into apostasy. In Revelations, he's seen as the Lamb of God, the perfect sacrifice, and he's coming back as a, as a triumphant lion, a rightful ruler and conqueror. He will defeat Satan, settle all accounts with those who reject him, and will bring his faithful people into eternity. Therefore, let us remember, let us remember what the Lord has done for us, what he's doing for us and what he will do for us. When the thrill is gone, remember our Savior. Remember him. They were not only commanded to remember, but they were also commanded to repent of their sins. To repent means to change one's thinking, to have a change of mind or to think differently. Christ was calling on the Ephesian believers to change their attitude as well as their affections. This involves a deliberate rejection of sin. Our Lord and Savior was commanding the church at Ephesus to repent of their sin. A failure to love God with all one's heart, soul, mind, body and strength is sin. 
We cannot fall in love with the master without a true acknowledgement of one's sin. We often try to, try to sidestep the issue instead of accepting our responsibilities. If we need to get back in fellowship with the Savior, then we must repent. We need to enjoy the thrill of knowing Jesus Christ. Then true repentance is necessary. When we repent, we're saying, I am agreeing with you. I'm changing my ways and I'm following you, following you. Lord, I need to repent of my lackluster attitude in the ministry. Lord, I need to repent of my ritualistic way, ritualistic way of worshiping you. Lord, I need to repent of my mechanical ways of winning the lost and caring for those, for, for those of the kingdom. Lord, I ask for your forgiveness. If we are to have that excitement, if we are to have that devotion, that love for Christ, then true repentance is necessary. And finally, not only were they commanded to remember and repent, but they were also commanded to repeat. To repeat and do the things they did first. If things have become stagnant, between and still between you and your spouse and how you feel secure in his arms. Go back to the things you used to do. Plan a surprise outing. Give a massage if that's what it calls for. Go back to the things you used to do. You wonder why she, hasn't lo she has lost the twinkle in her eye in her eyes she used to get when you when you got home from work it's because you no longer tell her how beautiful she looks you fail to remind her bless you feel just to have her as your wife go back to the things you used to do, used to do. ladies you're wondering why your husband no longer seems to have the pep in his steps when he's in your presence it's because you no longer tell him how much you appreciate his hard work and the way he provides from, for the family. family. You, are, you have strayed from telling him how dashing he is and that he is your prince. And for you, there's no other like him. Go back to the things you used to do. It is the same way with your relationship with Christ. Christ was telling the Ephesian church that he, and, and he's telling us today, go back to the things we, you used to do. Go back to spending time in private devotion. Go back to delving deeply in the word of God. Go back to worshiping God with a passion. Go back to speaking and listening to him in prayer. When the thrill is gone, go back. When the thrill is gone. Go back. What a great <coughs> impact it would have on our community. We need to go back to our first love. Are you in love with the Savior? Are you in love with the Master? Remember, when the thrill is gone. So when the thrill is gone, we need to remember where you used to be in Christ. Remember what Christ has already done for us, for you, and what he has brought you through. Remember who he is. Don't get complacent 
in your spiritual life. Continue to strive for higher ground. Don't become weary in well-doing. Don't become discouraged because of what you perceive as a lack of results. Don't let the, the rituals and difficulties pull you away from your first love. Repent of your ritualistic service, service to God and others. Repent of your, your, your negative attitude and go back. Go back to the things you used to do. Go back to prayer and Bible study. Go back to private devotion and worship. Go back to your first love. When the thrill is gone, go back. When the thrill is gone, the master. And if you're not, why don't you remember, repent of your sins and fall in love with Jesus again. The altar is open if you so desire to come forward. Just come and confess your sins to him. And fall in love with him. Eternal Father, we are so thankful. Speak to our hearts, even through the song we are about to sing. Continue to challenge our hearts. In Jesus' name.